FM with Green Farm. Fuel your day with Green Farm's new high-protein cooked chicken breast fillets. 100% natural and packed with flavour. And a very good evening from Damien O'Mara. You are very welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game On, what we hope will be an hour of good sporting chat to come between now and 7 o'clock. Last night, if you were with us, and where were you if you were not? You'd have heard the view from Wales as Scarlet's confirmed that they are unable to field a team in the Heineken Champions Cup this weekend. Today, as they battle their own COVID problems, we heard for the first time from the Munster head coach, Johan van Graan. They will potentially be certain players available. Uh, we've got to announce a team on, on Friday afternoon. So Munster focused on that game against Wasps on Sunday. Uh, Leinster focused on their game against Bath at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday. One man who will not be involved but has a very strong European pedigree as a guest on the programme this evening. Jemison gives a park, looks to take control of it, moves it to Sexton. Sexton charging for the line. The captain has scored a try for Ireland and everybody celebrates. Johnny Sexton on the role of Europe over the course of his Lancer career and the burning ambition to captain his home team to European success. That to come later in the programme. It's notionally the off-season, but Derry City have certainly been uh, busy. And all eyes on the League of Ireland recruitment goes to the Northwest. What a chance should be presenting itself here. And a chance for Rory Higgins looking to bring the glory days back to the Brandywell. His recruitment in the last couple of days certainly would give strong hope. We'll have the view from the city to come. And as well as that, we will be chatting to the Mayo man who made it up the steps of the Hogan stand and returned with silverware this year. Oh, that's giving away the Keith Higgins of all people. Higgins. Yes. The first stuff from Keith Higgins. Levels things up here. And Barry Holness in the final. That's uh, Keith Higgins to come between now and 7 o'clock. 51552 is our text. You can tweet the programme at Game on 2 fm Game on on 2FM. So, a busy hour ahead. The Champions League action for the evening is already underway. Plenty of focus on Group H, where there have been two early goals. Uh, this is the situation where Chelsea and Juventus are looking to battle it out for top spot in the group. Chelsea started the evening the better team of Werner, giving them the lead after just two minutes away to Zenit St. Petersburg. But Juventus have struck back in their game. Moise Kane scoring uh, after 18 minutes, about 20 minutes played in both of these games. So, uh, basically, Basically, Chelsea top of the table, 15 points, plus 10 goal difference. Juventus second in the table, also with 15 points, but just plus four of a goal difference. So uh, the head-to-head will be uh, crucial over the course of the evening. Um, We've got a lot of, as we talked about with Mark Langdon last night, an awful lot of the Champions League uh, business done and dusted for the night. Big focus on Barcelona, who are away to Bayern Munich in Group E tonight. Uh, 
Benfica at home to Dinamo Kiev. Uh, Barcelona two points clear of Benfica, second in the table. But if results were to go against them tonight, you could have a situation where Barcelona fall into the Europa League, uh, which really, for all the troubles they've had, have been it would be inconceivable, surely, for Barcelona to have to uh, play second fodder in European competition. No such concern for Manchester United. Guaranteed advancement to the knockout stages. They're top of Group F ahead of their eight o'clock kickoff at home to Young boys and their new interim manager Ralph Raniak, certainly a man who's keen to have success on all fronts this season. Obviously with a club like Manchester United we're ambitious to be as successful as, as we can be in all competitions no matter in which one um, and for me it's important that we develop the team that we continue the application of, of the defensive processes and fine tune our collective defending um, and uh, right now with playing every three days it has to happen sort of in game um, and obviously all also in talking to the players in in video fit footage sessions uh, we did that before the crystal palace game and we will also do that before the game against young boys and our next fixture uh, away at norwich that's ralph raniak chatting in advance of that game tonight um, as bad as it might be for barcelona to drop into the europa league uh, penny for the thoughts of spurs fans who have to watch them in the europa conference league um, this season they're second in that table level on points uh, with Vitesse Arnhem ahead of what is due to be their final group game tomorrow night uh, Spurs at home to Ren Ren top the table with 11 points from 5 games uh, Spurs second with 7 points uh, plus 2 goal difference um, an awful lot of talk that uh, Spurs are going to look to have uh, their game against Brighton in the Premier League at the weekend postponed because of the Covid situation uh, Antonio Conte confirming today that a number of players and a number of his staff have tested positive for COVID-19. Now, unlike the Premier League where they can apply for some form of dispensation to postpone the game, in the Europa League or the Europa Conference League, any of the UEFA competitions, basically if they've 13 outfield players and a goalkeeper, it's business as usual. And Conte held his pre-match press conference earlier today. Every day we are having uh, people with, uh, with COVID. People that uh, yesterday wasn't be positive today it was positive and we are continuing to have contact with people that uh, we think that uh, yeah, are negative but the day after become positive it's it, it's a pity because uh, i think that uh, during the press conference uh, and i have to, to to talk about football about the next game and not about covid we had the training session we prepared the game against the uh, against the rain but it's very it's very difficult to face uh, at the end of the session today again one player positive another member of, of, of staff is positive and we had and tomorrow who me another player another member of staff and we continue in this way i think that uh, the situation is serious that's Antonio Conte um, chatting today and there is a massive focus again, particularly in the UK, on the issue of players and the vaccination rate which exists, which I think is a massive cultural difference between uh, this island and our friends across the water in terms of the uptake and the impact of COVID when it gets into a setting uh, like it has done within the Spurs camp. So do you remember back in the day when you thought the sports programmes would be a little bit of light relief away from COVID and here we are and we're going to continue 
with that because uh, as we know we heard last night on the programme from Sean Holly the view from Wales as uh, Scarlets are forced to basically give Bristol a walkover in the Heineken Champions Cup this weekend uh, Munster a large contingent of the group who travelled to South Africa uh, 34 members of that party who returned last week are still quarantining after um, basically falling victim to the most unfortunate of timings being in uh, South Africa when the new variant of COVID-19 um, broke out. Scarlet, as we heard last night, quarantining in Belfast because they were unable to get home to Wales. Well, Munster have been in a position where they've registered 22 new players in advance of their opening game away to Wasps on Sunday. Van Gran, Johan Van Gran, the head coach, is amongst 34 members of the party who are currently in isolation. That isolation is due to end on Saturday. So Johan Van Gran was uh, on media duty earlier today alongside Ian Costello, the academy manager who is expected to take charge of the team in Coventry on Sunday. And Johan has been chatting to members of the media, including our own colleague Michael Corcoran, about the situation they find themselves in and the disruption to plans as a result of COVID for their opening Heineken Champions Cup game. There's so many dynamics at play. Uh, all that I would say is that uh, you know, public health has been excellent in assisting us. There's a full PCR testing program going on. Um, so, you know, uh, there will potentially be certain players available. Uh, we've got to announce a team on, on Friday afternoon. Uh, we've still got to go and get through training uh, after that. So, you know, anything is possible at this stage. But the main message from myself and all the coaches the whole week was the focus is on the players in the HPC. If we need any assistance, um, you know, in terms of selection, we will give that. But uh, you have to also look at the bigger picture here. Guys have been sitting in hotel rooms now for almost two weeks uh, at home. Uh, some players are sick, others aren't. Um, it, it hasn't been ideal and we are putting all of our effort to the players in, into the HPC. And if we can and if we need to, we'll assist from the outside. We're well uh, used to change now. Uh, I'm not for one moment going to say if you told me two weeks ago this was going to happen that I could even imagine things happening at this stage. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to talk around that, but that's the beauty of rugby. And look, that's the beauty of, of the squad. It's certainly not the worst thing uh, that have happened. Nobody have passed away in the week. We're a strong group of people together. That's the beauty of Munster rugby. It's built on our community. And uh, we'll get through this. Uh, rugby is very secondary at this stage. Uh, we're going to pick a team for Sunday. We're going to fly over to, to Coventry. Uh, we're going to play the game and we're going to give it our best shot. And, um, you know, that, that shows again the, the spirit of Munster rugby. Can I ask you just in terms, Johan, um, um, you know, for team selection for the coming weekend, who's going to be picking the team and who's going to run the gig on Sunday, if you understand now look, Michael, I, I remain the coach. Um, you know, I'll, I'll pick the team, uh, but want to reiterate, Kazi uh, is the, the man on the ground at this stage. Uh, we're meeting behind the scenes every day. We've got a coaches meeting every morning, uh, but Kazi is running the, the operation uh, on that side. Like I said, it's, it's, it's more the input of everybody to make sure we pick a competitive team that can, can go and represent us on, on Sunday. And, whether we pick, uh, we have full faith into to you know, go and put in a performance on on Sunday. 
Um, you know, uh, some of our coaches might travel on Saturday, some of us might travel on Sunday, but that's yet to be determined. Uh, what we've once again learned is that Sunday is a very long way away from today. So let's just get through today. And Cozzy, it's good to see you. Uh, sorry it's in these circumstances, but I'm sure, you know, taking over as the, as the boss on the ground, it must, you must be getting a great degree of satisfaction out of that with some of the seasoned internationals plus a lot of the younger fellows. Hey, Michael. Um, I'm definitely not, definitely not the boss that we've got. Everybody's in this together. I think, um, you know, Johan, all the coaches in the background, uh, it's very, as he said, it's very coordinated, very aligned, and it just feels like there's huge support. Um, and I think what I've really enjoyed, not just in the last couple of weeks, the last few months, is how close uh, an organisation, how tight an organisation it is. And, you know, that was part of the reasons to come home to something or somewhere where it is special. And I think in times like this, this that's really shone through. And I just think uh, how tight everybody is in the HPC at the moment, how connected everybody is to the three different groups has been incredible. Um, yeah, and it's hard to put that into words, uh, Michael. I hope that, you know, comes out in a performance on Sunday. And just a question about Wasps. I mean, obviously you spent a significant amount of time there. Uh, what what can Munster expect regardless of who's wearing that uh, that Munster shirt on at, at the weekend? Yeah, I think a uh, very similar situation actually to this time last year in that we was struggling a little bit in the Premiership. The Premiership is a grind each week. And then we played Clermont in Europe and it was um, an opportunity to, uh, to play a new competition, I suppose, a pressure off to a certain degree. So maybe a little bit different than the mentality in Munster. Um, and they have a tough group with us in Toulouse. And I think they'll fancy themselves at home. Um, I think they're a really good side on their day, despite their form. Um, some very good individuals, very exciting brand of rugby. And I think, you know, probably to, to go back in what Peter said, our focus has to be at the moment completely on us because we're just pulling together as a team at the moment. Yes, we're dropping in little bits of information and we're doing work in the background. But we've, uh, we've a lot to get right ourselves in the next couple of days and probably later in the week we'll take a closer look. I have to reiterate, I've spoken about this before, as the values of, of rugby, which respect is the main one in, in my view. Uh, the South African Rugby Union, um, uh, my players under Eugene Henning uh, are two logistical men on the ground, Kibane and Warren. They've been excellent. The hotel uh, guys have, have what bikes and, and playstations. Uh, they've, they've looked after them so well. Uh, we are in contact, obviously, with technology. Uh, it's quite easy to call a team meeting. They're all in good spirit, and you know, it's uh, we we all connected, and uh, we focus so much on the connection. From a from a mental wellness point of view, player well, welfare stays the most important. We are not rugby players. We're not coaches. We're not SNC personnel. We are people, firstly, and you know all credit again to Munster Rugby and the RFU for the way they've looked after their people over the last two weeks, and we'll continue to do so until the last person gets home. And uh, you know I think it's it's important to to know as well this isn't finished, meaning um, COVID's not going away. Guys are still in hotel rooms at home, so this will be an ongoing thing and. No fair play to Munster and I of you for the support that they've been given all of us. That's Johan van Graan and Ian Costello chatting uh, earlier today and we wish um, them well. I, I think in particular the contingent who are still in South Africa and 
Uh, that clip from Johan van Grand towards the tail end of that, isn't that a motto that we could all live our lives by a lot more? Don't f- think of people as footballers, coaches, whatever else it is. Think of them as human beings. And uh, we certainly wish them well. And they will be the envy of many as well. I know they're in a terribly difficult situation, but how many of you around the country listening in are desperately trying to get a PlayStation 5 and they're the Munster lads have them, albeit... They need the distraction. Anyway, we wish them well. Uh, Coverage of the Leinster game against Bath is on Saturday Sport over on Radio 1 this weekend. There's uh, coverage of uh, Connick's game against Stad on Radio 1 Extra starting at 1 o'clock on Sunday before then continuing on Sunday Sport on FM. And uh, a man who won't be involved for Leinster uh, this weekend is Jonathan Sexton, one of uh, that group of players who has been part of each of their European Heineken Cup um, successes. We're going to hear from him uh, later on in the programme about the importance of Europe in his career and where those games and those campaigns stand when it is uh, he gives himself a little bit of an opportunity to reflect upon all it is he has done within the game. We're going to switch attention to League of Ireland soccer next and so much was made if you're a League of Ireland fan uh, you will be well aware of this over the last uh, couple of months I think really dating back to September when Derry City's owner Philip O'Doherty um, basically was the subject of a 2 billion euro buy out of his engineering company and it uh, started an awful lot of speculation about the financial bump that might be on its way to the Brandywell. We're not quite sure how much extra he's put in or if he's put in anything extra at all. But one man who has done a serious bit of business uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks is the Derry City uh, manager, Rory Higgins, yesterday confirming Cameron Dummigan. He's uh, become the fourth player to join from Dundalk alone. Uh, Brandon Kavanagh also joining the club and that is in addition to Michael Duffy, Patrick McElhenney, Will Patching, uh, Shane McElhenney, Brian Maher, massive, massive signings at the club have made in recent weeks. We're going to get a sense of what the reaction and the expectation has been like in Derry in just a moment. But in advance of that, one man who knows what it's like to be in the fishbowl that is the Brandywell and association football around Derry is former Derry manager Pat Fenlon, who's been chatting on the RTE Soccer podcast this week about the injection of investment in Derry and the growth and expectations that will come along. I've walked to Alan and he's a really good coach on the pitch and um, obviously, really, really on that end of it, I think he wants to be hands on as well. But when you're when you're involved and in, and in a bigger club as well, there's a lot more going on that a manager needs to to to, to have his hands on and you know having someone in that position that you can trust and and you know get your message across is massively important. And obviously, he has a relationship with Alan as well, you know, going back over a period of time. So yeah, he's a good appointment for Derry. Um, you know they've recruited well on the pitch and I think Alan's appointment is a good uh, recruitment process for them off the pitch as well so they look like and they're, they're making you know big moves to try get as close to Rovers as they, as they possibly can some of their signings will really be really exciting the, the faithful at the Brandywell so it'll be interesting to see how they how they fared out yeah, and again there's expectation there now for Derry next year isn't it because the players they brought in and, and the supposedly money that, 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 that they're spending on players so it's different. It's a different style. Where this year when Rory came in, it was about can he improve the team? Absolutely, has improved the team. How do you take it in the next step? So, young managers and, and they're the experience they're going to have to gain over a period of time. It's a bit like Tim, completely different management setup. A path to what he had a draw to. Rory hasn't moved clubs, but it's probably a different situation in the same club where expectation. There's always been expectation at Derry. We know that, but I think that will grow as well on the back of of, of their their dealings in the transfer market. So it's all. 
looking very, very rosy at the Brandywell at the moment. That's Pat Fenlon chatting about uh, that player recruitment and also, crucially, the one I forgot to mention is the recruitment of uh, Alan Reynolds as assistant manager to Rory Higgins. Simon Collins from the Derry Journal is with us. Simon, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Thanks for being with us. Um, my, my son was reminding me it's 17 sleeps until Christmas earlier, but um, <laughs> Derry City fans must be looking at this and thinking, by God, Santa's come to the Northwest early. This has been a remarkable, not I was going to say two weeks, but maybe like a, just little over a week in terms of, of the recent recruitment, the recent announcements, and in addition to the, you know to the, the Duffies and the big names we've known for a couple of weeks now, we're on the way. It's It's a... It must be a massively exciting time for everyone invested in the club. It definitely is. You know, that, that's fallen on, on the back of since Rory came in last April and, and the transformation that, you know, that he's underseen under at the club as well too in terms of performances and results. And, you know, um, he's, he's getting his business done early now and there's been lots happening. We've, we've, we've known about Patrick McElhinney coming on in the summer, signed the pre-contract, Michael Duffy, Followed shortly after, you know. So that those two signings on their own, you know, they, for for those two lads who are, you know, they're the League of Ireland stars um, in their own right, and they're they're, they're coming back home. That that and that zone has got the, the the fans, you know, really anticipating a fantastic season. And then they followed that up with some some fantastic signings. Just a, a mixture of proven talent, guys that that Rory's either worked alongside or worked under, played with. And then just up and coming talents like the the likes of Brian Maher and uh, and Brandon Kavanagh who signed yesterday too. You know these, these two top top prospects in League Ireland, fantastic futures, and all signed on on, on long term contracts too. So it bodes really really well for for the future for Derry. And as you said, those those expectation levels are just through the roof at the moment. Is there a sense that there's much more still to come, or like you kind of forget we're we're actually not that long away from the start of the next season? I think it's the 11th of February, so pre-season starts um, relatively shortly. Can fans expect much more, or, or what's the sense around the city in terms of are there other notable names set to be unveiled? Oh, the, the 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 big name Georgie Kelly keeps getting linked with Derry City. You know, he he, he started off his career at Derry and and he's gone off. You know, one one player of the year there, and, and rightfully so. He's been he's been fantastic for for Bohemians. But uh, well, that's that's likely or not. I'm sure Rory has has gone on record and saying he would love to have Georgie back at the club. But just speaking to me yesterday after at the press conference after Ian unveiled. Uh, Cameron Dummigan and, and Brandon Cavanagh and, and he, he's going for, for quality rather than quantity really I know he's, he's brought in seven players but those players are, are guys that, that he thinks can gel very quickly and embed themselves under, under the side uh, very quickly as well too but he was saying maybe potentially one more before the start of pre-season I'm sure if guys like Georgie Kelly became available or or, or, or um, give him a sense that they would want to return he'll, he, would, he, would, he would go for, for guys like Georgie if not he's, he, I'm sure he's got another couple of checks up his sleeve as well too but, but he says um, just, just a one more potentially before the start of the season and if you look you know there's a few players gone out the door but the, the guys that he's recruited here are, are, are fantastic players guys like Patrick McElhinney Michael Duffy and, and, and Cameron Dummigan who, who know each other so well you know, they, 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 you would think can, can sort of bed under that team that's, that, that he's uh, built there from last year. 
Dan and Kevin and Brian Matter know each other well as well too. So it all bodes well that you know that they can sort of have the ground running, you know, from from this, this pre, a good pre season mm-hmm. behind them, and it could kick on for next year. And you kind of like it, it's easy to forget as well that that Rory Higgins is only relatively new in the job in the grand scheme of things. That he has achieved a real significant amount to turn the club around and get the the positive vibes going again in, in a, a limited period of time. Yeah, he, well, we, we all know he comes from the, the sort of Stephen Kenny school of thought as well too, and he's learned a lot from him. He, he says openly that he's been a real mentor for him, and and you can tell just by by working closely with Rory. Um, you know that that it comes. You know he, he has that same thought process. He, he he's, he's so meticulous about his preparation for games. But um, but as I say, that's just just he, he, he plays. I suppose it's with the young managers that like Stevie O'Donnell and uh, Tom Clancy. You know that these guys just play play the football the right way. No fear, and uh, the transformation. You know with a club when Murray came on in April, they were bottom of the league, won this after six games, and. Um, you know, he, he finished the season fifty uh, percent one ratio. You know, fifty four points from from thirty league matches and and, and got them under Europe, mm. which is which is remarkable. And 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 it was justifiably uh, shortlisted for manager of the year on the back of that. So uh, I, th- I think he's while he's a young manager and he's got Alan Reynolds as as Pat Fenlon mentioned there. You know, who who has a wealth of experience. You know, he, he's he's very intelligent. He's 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 been about the league for so long. Um, and and he's very, you know, he's got that pulling power as well in terms of attracting the top players, which has been a difficulty for Derry over the years. But now, now it seems they, with the likes of the top players and Michael Duffy and Patrick Magdalene coming to the club, it seems, um, you know, and, and Rory being there and his vision for the club, it, it becomes a lot easier than to attract these top stars. I'm, I'm going to be crass and talk about money in a second, but but before I do, you've you've mentioned Michael Duffy and, and Patrick McElhenney in particular, and um, I, I'm a I'm a Bose fan, so God forbid if Georgie Kelly was to go back as well. Um, th- is is there a sense that there's a very conscious decision or effort being made, whether it's been driven by Rory or been driven by Philip O'Doherty and those who run the club, that traditionally Derry City was the vehicle through which the best young players in the area or maybe the best young players in the northwest developed and came to the fore that the, the recruitment of of local players how crucial is that to maybe send a message to young lads up around that part of the country that you know you can go on and be the very best and the proof of the pudding is in the fact that we have you know Duffy McElhenney players of that quality playing here week in week out yeah well what you saying Traditionally, they've, they've, they've brought guys through, and that's there's a real onus in that. I think at the, the end of the, the 2020 season, um, Paul Bodori had what he called it a come to Jesus meeting, where, where basically um, they, they had a meeting with, with Beck on the Vine at the time, and uh, it was just an in depth analysis of how, how the club's successes and failures over the last, I think, 30 years or so, you know, and, and what, where they went wrong in terms of recruitment. Uh, bringing guys through from the academy, and and one of the, the big things that, that came out of that was was the the, the way that they're they're recruiting the, the, the transfers that the, they've scrapped the one year contracts. There's longevity now with these. We've got three year deals, two year deals. Uh, the younger guys, especially, getting those longer term deals, and there's a huge investment now and in focus on on uh, building their own academy in conjunction with the University of Ulster up here too. So. Already, they've got a fantastic catchment area in terms of Derry, the Northwest, 
they're, they're reaching out on the, the likes of Fermanagh and, and Donegal. We're already seeing some some players who are maybe in, in the Van Hearts Academy coming across now. They, they, they joined Derry City because there's that pathway and, and this, this this vision that they that Sullivan Doherty has, has sort of um, overseen and, and with Rory at the helm, you know, it's, it's, it's really promising for young young players that, that to think, you know, this could be the best pathway here. We see the likes of Roland Boyce has, has broke through nicely uh, on their deck in the vein, but but he's he's really flourished and was on the PFA team of the year this season. So guys like that are coming through, they're getting a the chance to play football the way, you know, it should be played. Um, and, and it's a really attractive proposition for, for the young players coming through. Now, the, the elephant in the room is um, Philip O'Doherty and the €2 billion Euro buyout of his engineering firm. And I know, like, Rory appeared on a, a, podca- a live podcast with Alan Cawley um, in Dublin last week or the week before, and, and you could kind of see he was getting a little bit annoyed at the sledging that was coming from the audience about the budget. Now, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't take a massive injection of finance to make you the top spenders in the league but like is there a sense that it's almost like the Galacticos that what money Philip O'Doherty has made from one business is going to be pumped into a significant scale to the other business should should we all be worried about Derry and their spending power in the years to come um uh, I don't I don't see to be honest and if, and if you speak to Rory and probably Paul would say the same you know not a lot has changed in terms of his um, uh, the, the he's always a wealthy man. He always pumped money, and uh, you know, got out of his own pocket. He, he dealt with the shortcomings every, at the end of every season, so he had, he had no other sort of put money in. But I think I mentioned that uh, end of season review that they had, and it was just a lot that came out of that was the, how much money they wasted in terms of um, bringing journeymen in from England and. Um, you know, just wasting wasting money for, for mediocrity. Basically, today we're if they looked at it honestly, we're a mid table club for for a lot of years. There, they haven't won the, the, the league since 1997. So, I think there was just um, a bit of a switch. Fallable um, Dorries, you know, I think he maybe had in mind that he was selling his business and, and maybe just wanted a um, you know they they, they have a, a focus on Derry City more so he really has this intention of winning the league with Derry City he wants to leave a bit of a legacy mm. not just for himself but for, for the city and for the club um, he's a real Derry man and, and at heart and I think he, he has no qualms about about um, you know making Derry City a success as I mentioned that, that the academy as well and the plans you know the exciting plans for the academy that they have you know he, that that's that's basically his number one priority at the moment. But if he can uh, bring a, a league title back to, to Derry, then, then you know that's much of accomplished for him. Yeah. We'll wait and see how it all plays out. Simon, great to get your insight. Thanks so much for being with us. Pleasure. Simon Collins of the Derry Journal there so uh, worth if you're of a League of Ireland persuasion certainly your eyes will be turned towards Derry uh, over recent days in terms of their recruitment so uh, we'll keep an eye on that over the coming weeks uh, much more to come in the programme Jonathan Sexton with us after the break stay with us high-protein cooked chicken breast fillet. Available in selected stores nationwide. Two. 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 
And you're very welcome back to the programme. So, uh, as mentioned, we heard from Johan van Graan at the top of the programme. The Heineken Champions Cup getting underway this weekend. Um, and I suppose all the teams starting out with very differing levels of ambition and one side who will always set out and expect to be in the business end of the tournament, such as the depth of talent and success they've had in recent years, is Leinster. So they're chasing their fifth Heineken Cup. Um, three players in the current squad, Keane Healy, Devon Toner and Jonathan Sexton, have been involved in each of those successes. Now, Jonathan Sexton, as a result of uh, knee and ankle injuries, unavailable for the opening round against Bath this weekend. But I had the opportunity to chat to him on Zoom, as you do in the modern era uh, last week, to reflect on the role that Europe has played in his career and just how important it has been in what he is as a player, what Leinster are as a club and his ambitions this year having recently won his 100 cap for Ireland to start the season he's a man who's intent on trying to help Leinster win that fifth title come season's end Jonathan Gibson Park looks to take control of it moves it to Sexton Sexton charging for the line the captain has scored a try for Ireland and everybody celebrates there's a massive huddle on this near side and there's a lot of love and affection for Johnny Sexton as everybody joins in the sort of the group hug away to the right hand side James Lowe is the last fella to arrive up and a special hug for him and the crowd are on their feet as Sexton has scored a try on his 100th appearance problem. I'm sure if you ever allow yourself that moment of reflection so many of the, the biggest days in your rugby life have been in a Leinster jersey in this competition yeah they have uh, you know it's a very special competition an incredibly hard one to win I think sometimes when you when you have to start to it, you know, that some of us had, you know, you know, myself, when we won, you know, three and four years and, you know, we, we joked, you know, it was easy and then you don't have one for five or six years and you, you kind of realise how tough it is to to win and even just to get through your pool is tough and, and you have to you have to bring your, your best uh, performances to the table from the off and especially now under this new format we need to to get off to a good start but um, yeah it's been great memories at times been some tough ones at times as well um, but it's a, it's a brilliant competition Are you the type of individual who your mind automatically gravitates towards the defeats or the ones that got away or is it 9, 11, 12 and 18 that stand out straight away when this competition enters your mind? No, it's it's, it's a mixture of both to be honest. Like when you, when you come to different fixtures um, you sometimes get drawn to good memories sometimes you get drawn to bad memories depending on who you're playing you know we you know, we've had some some great days in this tournament and we, we've had some some poor days um, and it's been it feels like a long, long time ago since we won it um, you know we've, we've let some chances go um, we haven't put our best foot forward in some of the big days and, and we're, we're mad keen to, to get back to those big days to, 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 to put those right I suppose Is it a significantly harder competition to win now than it ever has been? Yeah, it is it's, it's, it's hard you know, even just if you go through the the pool, like you, you know, you've less games to you've less margin for error to get through. Then you've got, you know, you know, an extra knockout round. You know, so it's it's going to be it's going to be tough. There's better teams and there's teams that you know want to 
sort of target Europe more, especially those French teams that that sometimes didn't take uh, it as serious in some years. They're they're all my keen to 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 do well in it, so it's a, it's incredibly tough. Does the challenge still exist to make the jump from that top level of the domestic game into the European game, or has the the gap maybe from the top end of the the URC to give it its current name to the top end of the Heineken Cup has that reduced over the course of this year? Do you think? I think some games in in our URC competition, you know, have been very very intense. I think some of them have haven't been as good quality, but um, I suppose when it comes to Europe, it is a step up. It always is, and um, you know, I think. The one thing for us is we that's different this year is we we've normally been exposed to Europe before internationals and then we come back and then you're exposed to them again. Whereas now we're just going straight into Europe, you know, having not uh, having come off the back of internationals. I think that will stand to us. I think because we've been playing at you know pretty high level games, you know, against the All Blacks and, and Japan and Argentina. I think it'll stand to the majority of us that we've had those high intensity games of late. But but that challenge of integration, how significant is it, or is it relatively easy for players of your experience, of your of your professionalism at this stage, to just take off the Ireland hat and put the Leinster one back on straight away? You're you're so used to it at this stage. You're used to it, but what makes you used to it? You you, you realise the work it needs to to be done early in the week. You know, it's it's very very hard to come from one system to the other. You've unnaturally got um, you know calls in your head. From you know, if, if you're coming from Ireland to Leinster, you've got Irish calls in your head. You're in the pitch, and sometimes you're calling, you know, Irish calls the odd time. They're in the subconscious, and and guys are looking at you. If they're not in Irish camp, they don't know what you're talking about. Um, but like we've 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 used it to our advantage at times because you know we're lucky that there's a lot of us in in Irish camp. So. That, that cohesiveness should come back quick. The uh, 80 minutes is up here at Racing. Look to try and take this one. They're trying to manufacture a penalty. Lens by 15 to 12. It's moved back towards Amitale. The attempt to drop a goal. It's gone to the left hand side and wide. He's kicked it wide. The referee has blown the full time whistle. Remy Tally missed the drop goal. Leinster can celebrate the fans. The place has absolutely erupted. Where does the 2018 final rank for you in terms of days out? Because I, I remember even chatting to you on the pitch in Bilbao after that game that it felt that there was something different for you to win on that afternoon that maybe you were a little bit more I don't know if sentimental or emotional is the right word to use, but it, it had justified a lot of the effort and the return to Leinster and difficult decisions you'd made in the year or two before that. Yeah, it was it was a I saw it was a very special year, I think, you know, and, and I think that's what made that that game. It wasn't a very memorable game from in terms of performance. It was it was lash and rain for most of the game. It was it was a bit of a dogfight. Um but it came off the back of us winning a Grand Slam and it was before then we went on to win the double. So I think it was um, it was obviously a very important victory. And, and yeah, it was a, the end of a, not a tough run, but it was a, a few years in Leinster, where, where a couple of years in Leinster where things weren't quite right and, and we managed to, to turn things around. So I think it was more special from, from that regard. How are you as a spectator on a day like this? Can you enjoy it at all? Do you watch it as a fan or do you watch it forensically with your your heart in your mouth knowing what's at stake? No, you can't. It's hard to watch it as a fan. I wish I could, uh, but you're 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 down on the ground with with the team. You've you've seen the preparation by and large of, of what goes in. You know the plan and. Um, yeah, it's frustrating that you can't influence it when you're when you're up in the stands. But that's the nature of, of rugby. Sometimes you can pick up 
injuries that you can't prevent and um Unfortunately, I have one at the moment, but I'm, I'm doing everything I can to get back in as quick a time as I can. But that's the important aspect of that experience you've built up over the years as well, is that being able to have a word here or a word there, or maybe spot something somewhat detached that fellas might not spot when they're in the middle of the heat of battle. Um, yeah, I'm always there to, to help. You know, I don't, I don't like to, to sort of influence things if I'm not not involved in the 23 I think it's important that the guys that are playing out half or guys that are leading the team are allowed the, the room and space to to do it the, their own way and, and then I'm always there in the background to to answer any questions that they have but I, I don't go looking to influence things when, when I'm not involved you're at that stage of your career where unfortunately like a lot of us in life people look at a date of birth in a column and they make presumptions based on that rather than perhaps your on-field performances or whatever else but if you were to do a bucket list of of things that you've not achieved at this stage in your career where would captaining Leinster to a European title rank? It would be, it'll be up there right up there like I've, I've lost the final as, as captain of Leinster you know um, which was which still hurts us to this day, you know, that we came up short on, on such a big occasion in front of an incredible crowd over in um, in Newcastle, and um, it's still driving or driving us on to, to try and get a fifth star in the jersey. But yeah, it would it would add a little bit to it, um, but it's not something I, I get overly, you know, fixated on. You know, it's just a, I just want I want to win. So being captain is adds a little bit to it, but not that much. Johnny, wish you well with the year ahead. Thanks for your time as always. Thank you. Game on to FM with Green Farms. Fuel your day the healthy way with Green Farms on the go chicken bites. 100% natural and packed with protein. Available in selected Tesco's nationwide. Game on. GAA. And you're very welcome back to the programme. So, uh, unsurprisingly, the uh, GAA GPA All-Stars in association with PwC, the banquet which takes place every year, um, has had to be cancelled as a result of COVID-19. The awards programme to be broadcast uh, on RT2 on Friday evening from 7 o'clock. And in advance of it this week, the uh, GAA also announced the GAA GPA Champions 15 team for players who play in the Christy Ring, Nicky Rackard and Laurie Marr Cups. And we wanted to mark uh, the success of the various players of the year and we are going to begin with uh, the Laurie Maher Player of the Year who's Sean Corrigan from Fermanagh. Sean, how are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for being with us. Congratulations. Uh, I know it's a team game. That's the cliche that's always rolled out but from a personal point of view, great satisfaction I would imagine to win an award of this distinction. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, there's probably a few boys who, who would have been equally as deserving but um it's definitely something that in years to come I'll look back on uh, to crown a good year for the county. With the structure of the year the way it's been, the fact that these finals took place back in July, it must feel almost like a lifetime ago at this stage. It does, to be honest. You nearly uh, you nearly forget about it in a weird way. We're, we're right in the middle of the club championship here still as well. So um, it's sort of a nice reminder of, of what we did achieve back, in, back during the summer and we're hoping to push on again next year. So all eyes already on 2022 as the, the maybe not the, the pre-season training obviously hasn't started but the meetings and the chat ahead of the year ahead no doubt well underway. Yeah, the, the management team gave us a, a few weeks to bit of downtime to celebrate the win but uh, soon enough after that we're trying to uh, focus because we know that the Nicky Rackard's a big step up for us but we're hoping to give it a good shot. Sean, wish you well with the year ahead. Thanks so much for being with us and congratulations. 
problem. Thanks, Sean man. Corrigan of Fermanagh there. We're going to go to the Christy Ring Player of the Year, who's Offaly's Ushin Kelly. Ushin, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Good. Uh, congratulations. First win for the county, and I know it's obviously been a, a difficult number of years for a lot of people involved in Offaly hurling, so you have a, a very, very positive 2021 to reflect upon. Yeah, look, it was a good campaign all around, like, especially with the 20s winning as well, and the Offaly footballers had a good campaign this year as well, so good momentum in the county at the moment. But a, a great year to reflect upon. Like I, I'm looking at, there's not too many teams I'd imagine have scored 41 points in a final in Crow Park and a good league campaign under your belts as well. So I'm, I'd imagine great positivity ahead of 2022. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like the last couple of years, in with Offaly Hullers have been very positive, but it's nice to have a bit of a win and momentum now at the moment. Brilliant. Oshin, congratulations on the success. Wish you well for, for next year and thanks so much for being with us. Thanks very much. Oshin Kelly, we're going to keep going. The, the clock is ticking on us. We're going to go to the Joe McDonough Player of the Year who's from Westmead. Tommy Doyle, how are you, Tommy? Hi, how's it going? How are not, you? Not too bad. I imagine you're, you're the same as the other lads. An unbeaten run under your belt in the competition this year, but I'm sure all eyes on the big, big prize that came with it, a uh, place in the Leinster Championship for 2022. Yeah, that's it. Um, another another summer hurling and and five um, five big games. So um, we had we kind of had it last year with the league, the way the league ran uh, during the summer. So yeah, we're looking forward to it again. Kilkenny first day in Mullingar, which is something to look forward to. Um, but yeah, national league yes, get up, get us back to Division One. Hopefully, um, in the meantime. Just on that, looking at the, the Leinster Championship, and I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but you've mentioned there Kilkenny at home, Dublin at home, Wexford at home, which it, it must be such a massive boost to have those three home games. And and you'll you'll be convinced if you can get yourselves up and running properly, you're going to give anyone a rattle. It is. It is. Look, it's it, it's. We're used to probably only getting one or two of these big games in, in Mullingar, and um, whether the old, the old championship was the Leinster quarter final and and maybe a qualifier. But look, we've an opportunity there with those games. They're they're going to be um, well looked forward to. And look, we we have to see we have to test ourselves and see see what we're going to be like in uh, in the Leinster championship and, and and do we deserve to be there. We'll soon find out, but uh, we will give it a good rattle anyway. And it, it, I suppose, in, in a way, was it a, a year of mixed emotions? Because obviously the, the high of success in the Joe McDonough and the, the campaign you had there kind of came off the back of a Division 1A campaign that you won't have been happy with. So is it a case of, of combining the two and crucially learning a couple of lessons about competing maybe with the top-tier teams? Yeah, look, I, 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 I probably disagree a bit. I, I, I think it was... We, we got a lot from those games that will probably stand to us for, for years to come so um, it's just about getting your getting the team to, to, to play those games and, and be in those competitions and we, we learned a lot of stuff about ourselves in, in the league campaign and brought, brought most of it through to the McDonough games so it's going to be a bit, bit, bit in reverse this year but we have to probably reflect on the learnings that we did get in that league campaign last year and hopefully get back there again Tommy, congratulations on the Joe McDonough Player of the Year Award. Well done. Thanks very much. Tommy, and Mara, Tommy Doyle from Westmead there. We're going to finish with the Nicky Rackard Player of the Year. Keith Higgins, hiya Keith. Hey, how are you? Good to talk to you. Um, I, I, for all you've achieved in the Mayo jersey in football, where does climbing the steps of the Hogan stand to lift silverware for your county rank? Um, yeah, I suppose, look, it's kind of hard to put a, <laughs> I suppose put a, a spot on it, but... You know, like I was saying to someone during the week there, look, look whenever you start off at the beginning of the year, like there's only one or two competitions you can, you can actually win. So, you know, when you actually kind of get to the final stage and you, like I said, you walk up the, whole, the steps to Hogan Stand, it's, um, it's something that's really satisfying. I mean, it's, it's you reach your goal, that's what you want to achieve. And 
it's sometimes just kind of hard to describe what that feeling is like but I think it's it's just that sense of satisfaction that you get once the final whistle goes and you can kind of back, look back and reflect on it so I think it's kind of the best way I can describe it really to be honest Yeah and, and having been part of, of the, the football juggernaut for so long before picking up the hurl and, and going on to success in the Nicky record I would imagine it means an awful lot to people because people don't often appreciate the, the hurling stronghold and the hurling hardcores that exist within a county which is, is virtually dominated by football Absolutely, yeah. Look, I mean, you talk to any of the guys there from the so-called weaker counties in Ireland, I suppose, and it's probably the same story in every single one. There's pockets of um, little pockets around each county. There's small pockets of people who are keeping the game going, and I think it does mean an awful lot to them when they see people that they've probably coached for the last 20 or 30 years, you know, getting a bit of success on, on the big day. So it's kind of it's the people like that you kind of feel more happy for, and I suppose the managers as well that seeing all their hard work finally paid off rather than I suppose your own work as a player because ultimately you know we've the easy job playing I suppose mm-hmm. it's you see the work that those guys have put put in over 20-30 years um, finally paying off and I suppose it's a sense of satisfaction that you get from seeing them happy that that's probably as, as good as anything else and j- just to finish people from the outside looking in might say the intensity of hurling for Mayo is different from the intensity of playing for Mayo there's no for footballers there's no doubt the commitment required is you know on a par is the enjoyment different lining out for the hurlers than it, than it has been for the footballers over the course of your football career um, I suppose okay, to be, if I'm being honest it's probably very hard to compare I mean you know, like obviously winning the Nicky record, it, it's a big thing for the Mayo hurlers. But you're playing in Crow Park, and there's probably a couple of hundred people there. And then you know, you play a football Ireland final, and it's packed out. And the age 2000, and the noise levels are, are completely different. So they're very hard to compare. But like I said, you go back to I suppose to what you get out of them, and like I said, it's that sense of satisfaction after each game is, is very similar. It's that kind of sitting back in the dressing room mm-hmm. and reflecting on a good year or a good game. Those things are the same regardless of who you're playing for, whether it's club or county. So. You know, obviously they're kind of nearly operating on different levels in some terms, but on other terms, like you said, there they're very similar. Keith, um, the Nicky Record Player of the Year. Thanks for being with us as always, Keith Higgins. There that brings us to the end of the program. Tara is on the way. She will no doubt buy us a watch because we're slightly over on time again. Uh, Zenit St Petersburg now leading Chelsea by two goals to one. Fifty-four minutes played. Juventus lead Malmo by a goal to nil. So Juventus on course to top the group. There. Thanks uh, for your time over the course of the evening. Stand by for Tara. Dinners made easy with Green Farm's high protein cooked chicken breast fillet range. Available in selected stores nationwide. Two.